it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I'm Justin. I'm James. And this is going to be Chapter 20, Dust on the Wind. Um, we finished up a little bit last chapter, uh, Chapter 19, with basically the party just getting ready to, to ditch their quote-unquote camp um, due to upsetting news about... Uh, Trollocs and uh, basically the city and its creepy watchers. But the watchers, they were kind of like, well, we'll just skip that. But when Trollocs were heading straight for them, it's just like, mm, time to move. Um, yeah. So mm. yeah. <laughs> they're like, up to the horses. So here we are at the beginning of the chapter. Um. So they leave in this big, huge building that they were camping in, and it has this strange, I don't know how you call it, a very strange feeling to not have these eyes that were previously on them mm. not there. But now he's wondering, like, but why are they gone? It's kind of like Captain Jack Sparrow. But why is the rum gone? <laughs> so why are, the, why are the eyes gone? <laughs> basically, and um, so now we got Tom and the Emmon Fielders kind of clustered together around, or not necessarily around Rand, but with Rand, and um, they're basically trying to make as little sound as possible to the point where Rand's like trying not even to breathe. Um, because sound might attract attention. Like, well, that is true, but the wind might be howling enough to where you won't make as much noise as you might think. But then he realizes that, you know, Lan and Moraine are about 30 paces ahead of them. And he's like, oh, we're falling behind and tries to speed up. And then all of a sudden Moraine shouts to stop, but sharp, urgent, but pitch didn't carry very far because it was kind of a... Ah, like <laughs> enough to enough to make them aware of like yeah just don't do that but also on a different step it's like it's trying to be loud enough for them to hear but not loud enough to make everybody in the freaking city aware of that they're where they are mm. so he pulls up and there's a little piece of fog laying in the middle of the street but it, like it looks like it's trying to turn into this oozing tendril type of thing and it's kind of like wisping around like it's you know an octopus tendril or something trying to like grab it a fish or something like that and no just just no but yes um so basically Lennon moraine moves slowly towards the fog but even their trained horses aldeb and mandarb are very very not liking this thing. Nynaeve, ask what it is, and I'll have you pick it up, good sir. The evil of Shadar Logoth, Moraine replied. Mashadar, unseeing, unthinking, 
moving through the city as aimlessly as a worm burrows through the earth. If it touches you, you will die. Ran to the others, he let the horses dance a few quick steps back, but not too far. As much as Rand, he would have given me to be free of the Aes Sedai. She was as he as safe as home compared to what lay ahead. Lay around them, I meant to say. <laughs> First mistake! Oh boy, here we go. Ding. Then how do we join you? Egwene said. Can you kill it? Clear away? Rain's life here was bitter and short. Mashadar is vast, girl. As vast as Shadar Logoth itself. The whole White Tower could not kill it. If I damaged it enough for you to let you pass, drawing that much of the one power would you pull in the Hoffman like a trumpet call? And Mashadar. 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 <sighs> <laughs> Uh, should we cut this entire bit or what? No, just keep going. Oh, no. And Mashadar, would he rush in to heal whatever harm I did? Rush in and perhaps catch us in the internet. <laughs> I did ask uh, you if you had any questions about pronunciation. Again, <laughs> uh, this entire day of inconveniences. But anyway... <laughs> So we learn a little bit about Mashadar and its uh, lore, if you will. Reach. Mm -hmm. I guess it's entire reach because you know it was mentioned that this is entire like under the city. Yet it can sort like kind it's of not reach. necessarily under the city. It just hides under the city from the sun because the sun would damage it. Yet it can sort. Of I guess, extend its reach throughout the city, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's vast, about the same size as Shadar Logoth itself, which is freaking huge. Yet, I guess, I guess it kind of reaches into, like, the whole power comparison, which, like, I don't want you to, mean, like, sort of... You mean the one power comparison? Uh, I was gonna say power comparison, because, like, the mention of the whole White Tower could not kill it. Well, so... because of... You have to understand that there are people's perceptions in the series as opposed to how things actually are. So, from Moraine's perception, whether or not she has actually had some historical uh, encounter with Mashadar or if it's just hearsay from what she's heard from other people what their uh, accounts of in the histories. This is just literally what she knows of it, not that it's actually been tried. But maybe someone well, documented that, you know, they used the one power on Mashadar, and Mashadar blew apart and then just sucked back right up together and didn't do any damage. So that way, if you multiply that much damage by everyone in the one tower, you're going to get the same kind of... Uh, outcome still you know just the idea of just something that can overcome so i think it's like like that's sort of like the kind of level of being is 
kind of terrifying context. Overcome what though? I know. I like the ice die. Well, they're not. I mean, Mashadar will overcome whatever it touches. Again, like. It, okay, but I if you mean by the, in terms of it not being damaged, there are things yeah. the one power can't damage. So it's not like it's not unheard of. It's not very common, but it is not unheard of. So the one power can do a lot of things, but there are some things it cannot do. Um, and we'll learn more about that type of stuff throughout the series. But I mean, it's it's not unheard of for the power not to be the end all because that was the case it'd be way too overpowered now it can do a lot of things and depending on how much power you have of the one power or how much of it you have entirely you can do quite amazing things with it but there are just some things it cannot do and unfortunately but. right now sending Mashadar away is not quite a thing that I would actually want it to do so well I mean Anything that Moraine would do would just draw its attention, but would also draw the Halfman's attention. So you get Mashadar and Trollocs and Halfman, as opposed to just Mashadar, who doesn't even like actually know you're there, really. Darn. <laughs> I know, right? So um, after this little explanation from Moraine and you know dialogue with Egwene, um. Moraine's kind of like, yeah, like, I don't like how this is going out, but it's going to have to go this way one way or the other because we don't have any choice. Um, it's not going to be a ground above ground everywhere. Um, plenty of passages will be clear to go through. And then she points at a star and is like, hey, that star up there, follow that star and it'll bring you to the, the river. And then just whatever happens, go to that river, get it there as quickly as possible. But make no noise. There are still Trollocs and Halfmen. Um, Egwene's like, well, how do we find you? And it's like, oh, I'll find you. Be assured, I can find you. Now, you know, go off and do it. And it's it's mindless. So Mashadar is mindless. It doesn't have a sentience to it yet. Um, but it can sense food. So thus the tendrils kind of like the way I see it is like the tendrils are kind of like certain plants that we have in real life where, you know, if you walk by them, they react to you or they're like slowly like follow you as you go by because they're thinking, you know, this is a, like an insect or a food, something that it can grab out. Um, so it's that kind of sense. Um, but the tentacles yeah. kind of like wavering a little bit around and whatnot, just kind of like grabbing something. But he's like, uh. Lan and Moraine disappear. Him and his companions are like, all right, let's get out of here. But they got to remember that there are fades and Trollocs around. So he kind of turns, then heads one direction, and then everybody else kind of like heads with him. Um, and he's like, well, there's no one here to protect us if Mordith should appear or the Trollocs. And they're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And then he's like, well, I have... Rand's like, well, I have to make them believe that I'm you know, not afraid of anything in this situation and that I'll get everybody out safely or whatever. I yeah. know exactly what I'm doing. Except <laughs> I don't, so... My plans are impeccable. Um, Just don't look at them. Yeah. 
Just don't look at my plants. So apparently uh, they go around a corner and Mashadar tendrils are popping up and they're like, oh, time to leave. So they turn and head in a different direction. And then all of a sudden, two Trollocs step out in front of them, but 10, 10 feet away or 10 spans away. Sorry. Um, and just for a split second, they just kind of like stand there and stare at each other, like completely like was not expecting this. And then all of a sudden more Trollocs collide in with the other ones and they're all shocked to see the humans, but then they're like, Bleh! and they like, give themselves a shake and then they start howling at them and charge forward. And then all of the people from Emmons Field and Tom just scatter. They're all like this way, but then you hear that from five different people as they all scatter in different directions and they're like, ah, crap. <laughs> so the Trollocs are like, ah, we've got to catch them. So several Trollocs head out after each of them. Um, with their catch poles and stuff to like grab them off of their horses and catch them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden, as they're fleeing, it kind of pulls us to Rand's perspective. Um, a tendril of Mastodar comes out. So Rand is just taken off like he can, and the Trollocs are less than 50 paces away. And there's a fade behind them. And it appears that the Trollocs are running away from the Halfmen as much as they are trying to catch Rand. And above, or not above, a beyond Rand, where he's heading, is about six or so tendrils kind of pulling out of windows, you know, feeling the air and checking out what's going on. And obviously Rand's horse cloud does not like this and freaks out, but Rand just pushes him through. So as Rand goes by the tendrils stiffen, which means they are aware, but Rand's like, Nope, not looking, not going to look, but he's terrified of being touched by one. So it's a very tense situation. So he looks kind of back when Mashadar kind of like glows a little bit less. But now the waving gray tentacles of Mashadar block half the street and the Trollocs are balking. And the Fade grabs a whip and starts cracking it over their heads. And that pushes the Trollocs forward. But now the Halfman hesitates and he's like, hmm, these little reaching tendrils. And then he spurs forward. But then all of a sudden these little tentacles were like, I don't know. And then ah, gotcha. And they kind of like reach out and grab each Trolloc, um, at least two of them per Trolloc. And the fog just kind of runs over them and eats them completely. And four of them grab around the fade and the halfman himself screams is like, that's a pleasant sound, but Hey, at least we're down one halfman. So now we have no sound after all these guys get kind of like basically encompassed by Mashadar. And basically Rand's just holding on, holding on, holding on. And he's gets to a spot where he can like slow down a bit. And he kind of like checks like, Oh, like is it safe listening for anything, not hearing any noise. 
But then he like looks up at the sky and he's like, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta follow that, that star to get to the river." And he's kind of upset that Egwene didn't follow him. Um, he's been extremely protective of Egwene through this entire time, obviously. Um, so he kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to head for the river because if she's at the river, I can, you know, meet you there. And it's not going to be really beneficial to check the ruins because in checking the ruins, it could take days and not find somebody because I mean, there, there were a party of eight, right? So you got a party of eight and they all split off in every direction they still wouldn't be able to find each other for days mm. due to the fact of how just out everyone, how, how big this city is. So he heads towards the river and he hears a clicking noise. It sounds like one stone falling against another with a sharp click. Um, so he's seeing a uh, big bulking shadow around a corner with a little what what appears to be a shaft sticking out of it, and he thinks it's a catch pull. So he pulls his sword out and just charges at it. And at the last second, he just like oh crap! He stops it and almost chopped off Matt's head. <laughs> Matt almost falls off his horse and drops his bow. <laughs> or almost drops his bow and Rand's like oh crap and pulls his sword arm back down to his side and he's like have you seen anybody else and Matt's just like you know putting his hand to his throat and licking his lips ah, just Trellix just Trellix what about you and it's like well I just saw you um, so like well they must be trying to reach the river we gotta do the same Matt basically agrees and they go about a hundred spans before they got another Trolloc horn behind them. Um, so they're kind of like trying to make their way out of the city and they find a basically a little gateway type thing. And they're like, well, let's, let's head out. So they head out of the city and they're like kind of excited. Like, yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And all of a sudden Tom gallops by from behind them but slow is only short enough to like, hey, ride you fools. And I'm like, okay, Gandalf. Ah, <laughs> you fools. Ride you fools. And then kind of like plows past them as Trollocs are, you know, pounding the ground, chasing them from behind. <laughs> and uh, then he's wondering like, okay, well, what happens if we get to the river and Moraine's not there and the Gwaine and whatnot? But then it the story kind of shifts to a different viewpoint. Now it's at Perrin's viewpoint. Yeah, it's just complete smash cut over to Perrin, apparently. Which I was not expecting at all. <laughs> I think the story is basically James doesn't expect anything in this. <laughs> yeah, as in like I am expecting something and then it just it just throws me something else, apparently. You make it sound like a bad thing. Well, you know. 
I don't know. I suppose it's a bad thing. Maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. Yet to decide. <laughs> to mean well, that if this if this story kills off someone I actually care about, then you know, that's a bad thing. But <laughs> here we'll we are. We'll have to see then, because there's a lot of characters in the series, so you'll find some that you'll like that'll die, and some that you don't like that won't die, and vice versa. Oh no. Yeah. No one is safe. Let's put it that way. Um. So Perrin is sitting on his horse in the shadows, watching a gateway outside of the city. Still a little bit far off, but he's running his thumb across his axe and is like, "Well, I mean, this is this is what I got. Let's let's figure this out." But then he kind of gets a little wind Fabio moment where the wind hits his shaggy curls and tries to blow his cloak away. So he's got a little bit of shagginess to him. Um, but then he pulls the cloak back around him and kind of like he's, you know, trying to keep himself windy or from, from the wind and cold and go ahead and pick up a spark. Okay. Actually, I was going to just comment quickly on the, uh, the fact that like, um, we can't brush it at this point, but you know, Matt keeps on like, t like touching his neck or thereabouts. Yeah. Or at least see that part is sort of repeated, which just upon my reading, I sort of like kind of picked up on, like picked up upon. So you know, I guess to quote Justin, tuck that away for later. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. That's hey, at least that's a, my that, line. At least that's a postulation. So <clears throat> anyway, you knew that Matt and almost everyone else in Emma's field him so thought it was partly because he was he big and usually moved carefully he had always been afraid he might accidentally break something or hurt somebody since he was he so much bigger than he, the boys he grew up with but you really did prefer to think things all the way through he could quick thinking careless thinking had put Matt into hot water one time after another Matt's quick thinking usually managed to get get Rand or him or both in the cockpit alongside Matt too. I just want to say I appreciate the fact of your quick thinking, careless thinking. <laughs> uh. It's always fun. That's a reading joke, folks. If you don't know, um, they will never know. <laughs> they will never know the pain and agony of having to recut this. No, um, they will never know <laughs> until they do their own thing and then they will know the mistake and rue the day they ever thought this. <laughs> they will rue the day they were ever born. But it's nice to know a little bit more about Perrin. Yes, since actually. He hasn't gotten a whole lot of uh, screen time, so to speak, in terms of being kind of a, a front runner. Oh, um, and I think this is actually like kind of the first case of perspect like perspective shift. Right, thinking. Mm, I think of the Emin Fielders, yes. Not from. I think we had a couple of parts. I think with uh, Lan and Moraine. But overall, it's been heavily in Rand's point of view. Um, yes. But we get we get this little viewpoint from Perrin saying like, yeah, well, Matt specifically 
And then everybody else on top of that consider him slow of thought because he's this large blacksmith apprenticeship guy that's like, you know, extremely large. He can like snap people in half if he wants to. And he's just like, I don't want to hurt people. I want to, you know, not hurt people <laughs> really. And still like think things through because if somebody jumps into things before thinking about it, they can get hurt where if you spend time thinking about things clearly and carefully, you're typically going to come out with a better outcome. So that's how Perrin differs from Matt greatly. And then possibly from Rand a little bit, but of course him mentioning the cook pot, makes him a little queasy. It's like, ah, don't think about a cook pot considering Trollocs like eating people out of cook pots. Yes, yes, yes. So there's this big square, or at least had been a square, in front of this gate once with huge fountains in the middle. And part of the fountains were still there. Clusters of broken statues, you know, big description, just like what this place used to be. But then he remembers the horns he heard and the eyes of the Unseen Watchers. He's almost like, eh, not worth it. But then he's like, well, I, I have to get to the river. And he's still looking at it and he's writing, writing out of the shadows a little bit. And then as he's doing that, another horse appears from the other side of the square. And he kind of like grabs for his axe, but... Here's Rand, like a little soft, hesitant call. And he's like, oh, it's not a fade. <laughs> um, and he yells out, you know, softly, it's parent Egwene. So they get closer and closer together. And he's like, have you seen anybody else? And I'm like, ah, oh, they'll be fine. Um, she's patting Bella's neck, won't they? It's like, well... Moraine and Land will look after them, so look after all of us when we get to the river. So once they get through the gate, they're like, whew, man, it doesn't seem like there's any Trollocs, there's no fades. Um, but he's like, well, once we get to the river, we'll be in good shape. Um, but at least now they're beyond Mordith's reach. And he had, Mordeth had frightened him more than the Trollocs ever could. I mean, like, well, yeah, he never had a Trolloc swell up like a balloon. But, um, basically they're about to reach the river and Moraine, she put them beyond the Trollocs' reach as well. And he's thinking this way because he has to. And because he wants it to be that way. He wants it to be true. Um, but then all of a sudden they hear a Trolloc's horn sound behind them and then all of a sudden Trolloc's kind of like pouring after them um, so he shouts at Egwene to, sh to come with him and they both kind of like going crazy crashing through the ground as loudly completely ignoring the fact that they're making a lot of noise but it's just like they're just trying to get away at this point um, but as they're going through, Bella's slowly falling behind because Bella, again, is not a race horse by any means. Um, Bella is a little bit older. Um, Bella's more of a cart puller. 
she's sturdy and stout, but she's not like a speedy speed horse. Mm. Um, so Perrin's, you know, trying to like tell her to hurry. And then he's all of a sudden plummeting into the middle of the air now. <laughs> Remember that yeah. whole quick, quick thinking and careless thinking? <laughs> yeah, that, that strange how that just comes up and bites you in the behind. Yeah. I was thinking of kind words, but I guess behind works. So yeah, I'm trying to keep this family friendly, dude. Yes, I, I, I am too. And no, you're not. I no, you're not. <laughs> I'm trying to, but my mind You're just not, lying. So. Yeah. So he goes plummeting into the Aranel, and he had ridden right off the edge of a sheer bluff into the Aranel. So he lands in the water, and it's cold water. Like, it's freezing water, and he just, like, his body just, like, <gasps> seizes up because of the shock of it. And he fights his way up, but, I mean, he's soaked. But now he's looking for Egwene, and all of a sudden, a spear goes flying in front of his face. And then, basically, they're just plummeting all around him, splashing into the water, trying to hit him. And then all of a sudden, there's some guttural noises, uh on the riverbank so the Trollocs aren't throwing spears anymore. It's like basically like, hey, we're trying to capture them, not kill them is basically what's going on. Mm. And then the current's kind of washing them downriver. But basically they're following on the bank trying to like, maybe we can get them out. So he lets go of his cloak. Um, so a little less weight to holding them down. Um, but he tries to swim for the far bank because there's no Trollocs there. At least he's hoping there are none. But then it kind of explains like the way they swam at home and how much weight he's got on him with the axe trying to like flip him over, etc. If it doesn't pull him under. It's just basically him thinking about the axe being good against half a dozen Trollocs if it's even lucky enough to do one. But it's better than his bare hands. Yeah. Well, that being said, that must be one hefty axe. It's a pretty good sized axe. Yeah, just going for like just the descriptions, but also it's just like, you know. But from him swimming across, he's exhausted. Yeah. And he's like, man, a day of the forge is no odds on this. <laughs> like, yeah, you just went across a pretty massive river. <laughs> yeah. I, I did actually like that quote. Just being like, no, no, it's just. Entire like entire day's work is nothing compared to this. Just like, no. Well, it's not even just like a day's of work. That's like a day at the forge, which is way worse than most jobs. Because like you're lifting a heavy hammer all day, your muscles are aching by the end of it. Like it's it's legit, probably way worse in every aspect. But it's just funny because he literally just crossed a river that can have like multiple small river craft go up and down it at the same time. So it's not a small river by any means. It's a pretty good sized river. Um, it may not be like a super wide one in terms of like, you can barely see the shore on the other side, but it is wide enough to fit multiple river craft through it or side by side. Um, although safely they might want to have only a couple, <laughs> So he gets across the river, but he doesn't see Egwene, and 
he's calling for people, but not hearing anybody. And then he kind of like just tries to not shiver to death, basically. And then it cuts away from Perrin and goes back to Rand. Um, basically, they had fled, gotten away from the Trollocs. Uh, Matt's riding with an arrow knocked just in case, you know, more Trollocs show up. And Tom and Rand are peering through the branches waiting waiting to basically see when the red star pops up because cloud coverage or whatever. Mm. Probably going to make it a little difficult to catch. Probably. Um, but then more Trollocs appear, but then they go flying off. Um, potentially after somebody else in their party that they spotted or caught sight of or heard a horn or something. Hmm. Matt's trying to point them like, oh, we're going to the north end. We need to go this way to east. And Tom's like, oh, there it is. And points to the tangled branches to the left straight at the red star. Matt mumbled under his breath where he's basically like the wrong way because Matt was aiming at the right. And it's a completely opposite direction. Um, but then out of the corner of his eye, Rand notices a trollic jumping out from behind a tree without a sound, swinging its catch pole. And... Two more pop out of the shadows right behind him, and a noose brushes the back of Rand's neck, and a shiver runs out of his spine because he had just popped his heels in at the last last second. And then one of the Trollocs gets an arrow to the eye, courtesy of Matt. And they're heading towards the river, but he's like, what are we going to do? So they get closer and closer, and... Out of the blue, Tom comes flying up hard behind the Trollocs. And the Trollocs basically had time to look behind them, be surprised before the Gleeman whips back and then forward. And then knives go right into them. And they drop with a scream, climb the back with their both necks. And then the third one's snarling, trying to, you know, show off his, oh my, what big teeth you have. <laughs> but um, they both whirl away into the darkness and Tom whips again, and that Trolloc falls, and Ren and Matt just pull up and just stare at Tom, and Tom's muttering about his second-best knives, and, and just, Tom, Tom's very particular about his knives, we'll put it that way. Um, each, of my, each of my knives are worth twice your lives. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that one will bring others, but I hope the river isn't too far. But um, they get basically to a low bank and they're like, well, we'll have to swim if we have to or whatever. Um, Tom basically is like, hey, okay, well, we're not going to stay here all night. So do you want to go up river or down river? Well, Matt's like, well, Moraine and the others could be anywhere and wherever we go, be further away from them. And Tom's like, yeah, so it could be. And... They kind of just hang out on the bank and whatever, and then all of a sudden they see a light ahead. They drew, they basically get closer to it, and they notice it's a lantern on top of a trader's boat. And Tom's like, "Hmm, that's better than an isodized raft, huh?" 
<laughs> so it doesn't look like the vessel's made to carry horses, but considering the dangers he's in, maybe warming, warning the captain of impending trollocs, he might be reasonable. Let me do the talking and just bring your blankets and saddlebags just in case. And then he's like, or ran was like, you don't mean to leave without the other people. And Tom didn't have a chance to say anything because out of nowhere, two Trollocs come bursting out of the clearing, waving their catch poles with four more behind them. So that's a total of six Trollocs. And the horses are flipping out and he's like, Oh, onto the boat, leave everything that just get on the boat. And then he starts yelling at the boat. You on the boat, wake up, you fools Trollocs. And basically ran jerks his blanket roll saddlebags free. The last, uh, last tie down and was right behind him and everything but he tosses his burden over the rail and just jumps after them but as he's mid-jump he notices a guy curled up on the deck beginning to sit up if he had just awakened and his foot comes right down on top of the guy <laughs> just <laughs> just like ow that hurt that would have hurt so Rand stumbles and a hook catch pole slams under the railing where he'd come over and then the shouts rail, uh, rise up all over the boat, and there's some feet pounding onto the deck, like people are just running up there. And basically, uh, Trollocs are jumping onto the boat now, but Rand draws his sword, swings, and Trolloc screams as he falls away. And then men everywhere on the boat are shouting, hacking at mooring lines with axes. Anybody's like, if they do this often, they're not going to run out of rope pretty quick. Um, mm. So the boat lurches and swings as it's trying to get away. And up in the bow, there's three men struggling with a trollic. And then someone thrusts over the side with a spear. And then he couldn't see what he's stabbing at. And a bowstring snapped, snapped again. And the man ran and stepped on. Scrout like, tries to crawl away from him. And, you know, flings up his hands. And he, when he sees that Rand's looking at him, he's like, Spare me! Take whatever you want! Take the boat! Take everything! <laughs> Spare me! It's like, wow, he's a coward. Uh, okay. And then all of a sudden, something smashed into Rand's back, and he flops to the deck. Um, his sword slides away oh. from him, and he's gasping for breath, and he, he, I mean, he got just blasted in the back by a piece of wood. And he's just like, this is not a pleasant feeling, and he's just trying to gasp for breath. But the guy, he was just basically saying, spare me to... Um, Looks at his sword like he wants it, but then he just skitters off. And Rand looks over his shoulder and he's like, ah, this is not good. This is not good. And there's a wolf-muzzled Trolloc standing behind him, balanced on the railing, staring down at him, holding a splintered end of a catch pole because that's what had blasted into his back. It broke the, the catch pole with how much uh, force he used. So yeah, he's... Just a general question. Have you ever actually been like blasting the back before in such a manner? Because I have. I that haven't. Sucks. I have been knocked on the ground to the point where I went unconscious, but I've never gotten blasted on the back by like a baseball bat or a small quarterstaff or anything. Oh no, I have and it it sucks. And you should do it like... more often, then it won't hurt so bad. <laughs> Every person listening to this should no, 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 never, no. <laughs> So this Trolloc hits him, but then he like picks it up like he's going to spear him with this broken splintered head of a catch pole. And Rand's like, oh crap, oh crap, I'm going to die. Light, help me, I'm going to... And then all of a sudden, Rand breathes 
one yell that just screams, no! And all of a sudden, the whole city, or city, <laughs> ship, wow, I am just, I'm 10 for 10 today. Um, the whole ship lurches, and a boom comes out of nowhere and just blasts this wolf-muzzled trollic, just crunching it, and it just plops into the water. <laughs> and Rand's like, well, uh, that's got to be all my luck right there. So I just wanted to point out, keep that whole scene tucked away for later. Um, so he gets up, finds his sword, tries to get in uh, more of a sword form that Land taught him. And he looked around, but there's no Trollocs and the Trollocs are fading behind him and everything. And he sheathes the sword, slumps on the railing. But all we have now is a stocky guy in a coat that hung up to his knees strides up the deck and glares at him. He's got long hair that goes to his shoulders, a beard that leaves his upper lip bare with a pretty round face. But not soft round like this dude's got some muscle. Um, and the boom swings out and this guy just looks at it and catches it with one hand. Just splat. Like that dude caught a boom with one hand where it just took a trollic out. <laughs> like, this dude's stocky. Yeah, I think I think maybe, like, this is a point where, um... Like, I got confused, but, like, you know, the whole idea of a boom as in, like, you know, the whole ship ter like, terminology. You don't know what a boom is? Uh, no, and I kind of fancy that, like, the, like... From what I understand I what a boom is... On Rivercraft, it's like one of those things you've seen, like a sailboat, where it kind of has like one pole stick up and one stick out from the side. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You got yeah, your mate. Yeah. Got, you got mate. Your main. Um, what is it? Uh, shaft. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the the well, main the main one shaft? that holds it holds the crow's nest and everything, so you can climb up there and you know yeah. look out whatever. You got your main shaft, and then you have the one piece of wood that sticks out. And you basically take your triangular uh, sail from one the outside corner of the, the one that sticks out of the main shaft to the main shaft all the way up to the top. And it holds basically those three corners. And that's how you basically direct with the wind. And the yes. boom is that stick that pulls out of the shaft. So when it swings around... You don't want to be you want to be clear of that. You don't want to be in the way of that because you can knock you off, hurt you, whatever. But that's that's what I understand a boom to be. I, I'm not a ship expert and everything. Um, okay. I vaguely remember being on a ship with one before, but <laughs> it's a long time ago. And it's it's just the whole thing of the like boom can mean like that, and also just like sudden massive noise. Well, so, like... but I'm pretty sure it mentions that the boom of the ship. Sometimes the ship lurched and a boom swung. So, like, you know, yeah, you could... sound doesn't swing. Well, you could sort of like kind of take that as a loose like, interpretation of just like sound is just echoing out. You know, do it as you will. And it's a ship boom. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the entire uh... ship moved. That, that, that's just the main point. And I'll pick up this part here. Yes. I've been kind of waiting for this for a while. <laughs> Moving onwards. 
Gelb, he bellowed. Fortune, where do you be, Gelb? He spoke so fast with all the words running together that Rand could barely understand him. You can no hide from me on my own ship. Get Florin Gelb out here. A crewman appeared with a bullseye lantern, and two more pushed a narrow-faced man into the circle of light it cast. Rand recognized the fellow who had offered him the boat. The man's eyes shifted from side to side, never meeting those of the stocky man. The captain, Rand thought. A bruise was coming up on Gelb's forehead, where one of Rand's boots had caught him. Were you no supposed to secure this boom, Gelb? The captain said, asked with surprise and calm, though it was just as fast as before. Gelb looked truly, truly surprised. But I did. Tied it down tight. I admit I'm a little slow about things now and then, Captain Doman, but I get them done. So you be slow, do you? No so slow at sleeping. Sleeping when you should be standing watch. We could be murdered to a man for all of you. No, Captain. No, it was him. Gelb pointed straight at Rand. I was on guard, just like I was supposed to be, when he snuck up and hit me with a club. He touched the bruise on his head, winced, and glared at Rand. I fought him, but then the Trollocs came. He's in league with them, Captain. A dark friend, in league with the Trollocs. In league with my aged grandmother, Captain Doman <laughs> roared. Did I no warn you last time, Gelb? At Whitebridge, off you do go. Get out of my sight before I put you off now. Gelb darted out of the lantern light, and Doman stood opening and closing his hands while he stared at nothing. These Trollocs do be following me. Why will they no leave me be? Why? Ah, probably wasn't my best rendition of Captain Doman, but it'll have to do. No, that, that was genuinely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should play Captain Domin in a game of D and D. Gelb, Gelb, why are you such a coward? A because genuine, he's Gelb, a genuine yellow belly coward. At least he's not a snake in the grass. Uh, <laughs> he's got that going for him. Yeah, but that's worse somehow. <laughs> but uh, we get this introduction to Captain Bale Domin. And he's a stocky fellow, to say the least. Um, but it's kind of a, a comical, obviously, because of how I'm doing it. But it's a comical situation of basically a ship captain yelling at the guy who's supposed to be on lookout in the watch. And basically everyone on the ship could have been killed by bandits or whatever because the guy wasn't doing his job so everyone on the crew is going to be really upset because their lives were on the line and they barely put off the, the trollocs this time and it sounds like it's not their first time running into them so if that's the case they're not particularly fond of what's going on but they've done it before so they're probably used to it um, unfortunately, we now have lost all of the horses. Um, yeah, that's rather unfortunate. Yes. Um, so we no longer have the racing horse cloud. We no longer have Tom's gelding and yeah, I, don't, 
I don't even remember what happened to the horse that Matt was. Like, I don't remember what kind of a horse it was. Um, Actually, I don't either. But, like, I am quite fond of Bella. And I am genuinely sad. Well, Bella's with Egwene. Yeah. Which we don't know. Which, no, we No, we do, because Egwene's been riding Bella. So until we tell otherwise that Bella and Egwene are separated, Egwene is with Bella. Yeah, but wasn't Egwene with Perrin? And Perrin just disappeared. Perrin went off the edge. Never said anything about Egwene going off the edge. Yeah, which we don't actually... So that leaves her entire fate unknown. Yes, but as far as we know, as of so far, Bella is with Egwene. To me, the, okay, to, to say that we don't actually know, so everything is okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying <laughs> we don't know, therefore, until we know otherwise, Bella is still with Egwene. Okay. It's like saying, well, we don't know anything about Moraine or Lan, so Aldeeb and Mandarb are probably dead. And it's like, no, they're probably with Lan and Moraine. So it's more or less the... Uh, standard assumption it's safer to say that a horse is with its rider until you hear about it being separated from its rider and so far every horse that's been separated from its rider aka Perrin aka Rand, Matt and Tom are what we know of we don't know if Nynaeve is still with her horse we don't know if Lan and Moraine are still with their horse we don't know if Egwene still with their horse but we do know at least four are no longer with their horses which leaves four with horses as far as we are aware. So, um, take that as you will. But we'll, we'll find out at some point whether or not they have horses for each of the people with remaining. Um, well, do it anyway, so. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving onwards. So Rand looks over the rail and is like, whoa, the riverbank is gone. And you got two men manning a long steering oar. Stuck it over the stern, and there were six sweeps working to a side now, pulling the ship like a water bug further out into the river. Like I said, it's a fairly good-sized river, but apparently it's a pretty good-sized river because I didn't realize off the top of my head that it was this wide to the point where like the riverbed's gone. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty good-sized place. Um, Rand uh, approaches the captain and is like, well, we got friends. If you go back and pick them up, I'm sure we'll reward you. So the captain swivels his head towards Rand, and then as soon as Tom and Matt appear, he switches to them as well. And then Tom tries to do his introductions, and Captain Doman is like, you coming below. And so... (laughs) (coughs) Or I like to say, you come below where I can see what manner of thing be hauled up on my deck. Come, fortune desert me. Somebody secure this horn-cursed boom. And then the crew goes and grabs the boom, and he pulls him downstairs into his cabin. And Matt tries to sit on the bed, and Doman harumphs to stop him from doing so. So the captain feels like... Like a... And so the captain's like, my name is Bail Doman, captain of the Spray, which is the ship and everything. I'm not going to do the voice for everything he says as much as I would find that fun. No. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be here all week if we do that. Well, not all week. Maybe a couple well, of extra. You, you know. Just I'm like... not like you. I don't have to take the seven billion cuts, you know. 
anyway. Um, so he's basically like, tell us, tell us, tell me why you're, you know, jumping on my ship in the middle of nowhere and bringing me all this trouble and why I shouldn't just throw you over for it. And Matt's trying to talk and tell him like, we're on our way to Camelin and then to, and then Tom interrupts him and it's just like, guys, let Tom talk. My goodness, what is so stinking hard about it? I mean, what was the last thing right before they left the horses, before the Trollocs appeared, that Tom said? Let me do the talking. And what's the first thing they do? Don't let Tom do the talking. <laughs> They're not the yeah. brightest kids in the block, as you can tell. So Tom begins telling them this amazing story about a whole bunch of things and like treasure maps and whatnot. I'll let you read through it yourself because it's kind of funny. Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where they finish it and Rand's mouth is hanging open and Matt is staring wide eyed at the gleeman and captain Doman's like, Hmm, that's a kind of a tale that nobody would really believe, but I did see the Trollocs. And Tom's like, every word true from one who lived it. <laughs> and he's like, happen to have some of this treasure with you? And he's like, alas, we couldn't. Um, the horses had it and they bolted when the Trollocs appeared. And here's all we have left. But it's cursed um, treasure, so you wouldn't want any of these. Like, so you got no money to pay your passage. I'd no let my own brother sail with me if he could pay, no pay his passage. Especially if he brought Trollocs behind him to hack up my railings and cut up my rigging. Why should I let you? Why should I not let you swim back to where you came from to be rid of you? And Matt's uh -huh. like, you'd put us ashore, but with Trollocs there, he's like, who said anything about shore? <laughs> it's just like, uh, Captain, Captain, why, why are you in this hot list? Because he's a businessman, not a charity. Damn you! Well, you also, Damn have, you. You also, you also have to kind of put into perspective from his perspective is that. Like yeah. he is taking damages and from his point of view, and you'll understand it as you get to know Doman a little bit more. There's a reason he's like this. Um, See, I'm just like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised why I haven't put you in shackles yet. It's like, it's just making the slave boy on the ship or whatever. Well, he's not that kind of a dude. But he's like, I'm a reasonable guy. He's like, I'm a reasonable guy. I won't toss you over the side if there is a way out of it. Now I see one of your apprentices has a sword. I need a good sword and a fine fellow that I be. I'll let you have passage as far as Whitebridge for it. And of course, Tom opens his mouth and Rand, of course, is like, no! And I'm like, okay, just shut up, Rand. Um, Rand, shh. Tam had basically given him the sword, but not to trade away. So he's like holding on to it. And Doman's like, well, if it be no, it be no. But <laughs> Bail Doman, no give free passage, not to his own mother. Oh, and... the itch, you go. Just, yeah. So Rand empties his pocket because he doesn't think. And it's like, why isn't Perrin here to do the thinking for them? Rand empties yes. his pocket. Yes. Yeah, Just... I, know, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> 
think of that. I've been thinking of this the entire time. I mean, like, he's like expressed. Pan, it's your moment to shine. <laughs> a flat, open head, opinion of things. I was like, where is he? Oh, he's over there in the far distance. Like, cold oh, and Baron wet. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, there's not much more than a few coppers and a silver coin. Maureen had given to him. He held it out to the captain, and then a, Matt did the same thing after a second. Tom's glaring at them because they're <laughs> flipping idiots. They're flipping idiots. And then apparently he switched to a smile faster than they could realize. So Rand's like, I'm not even sure I actually saw it. But Captain Dan Doman pulls out the two fat silver coins. And pulls, puts a small set of scales, clinking on it. Now, he's a merchant, so he's very, very frugal in this regard. And then yes. he, like, takes it, drops him his coin back, and says, as far as Whitebridge. And Tom's like, that's dear past just a Whitebridge. And he's like, plus damages to my vessel. And yeah. plus a little bit for bringing Trollocs down upon me, so I have to run downriver in the night where there be shallows aplenty to pile me up. So, like I said, he <laughs> has some... That's some logical reasoning, like... This could cause more damage to me for me to do this now. And most people who want this kind of treatment would be paying in gold. <laughs> so, I mean, he's kind of giving them know, a deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything considered, you know, I guess that's fair, but like most. I don't know. I guess most, most characters you would kind of consider that, like, kind of water on the bridge as it goes. But like, you know, not factoring in the fact that like, they almost kill all in the night, and also, like, like their property damaged on top of that. Well, I mean, think about it this way. Like, you have a ship, you have a business, and you pull into a town or something with a torn-up ship, people are potentially not going to want to do business with you because you clearly are a threat to someone's merchandise. So, it's he's, he's a trader, so it's like, I gotta I have to pay for my damages, get everything fixed up, and be ready to move the next haul of whatever it is um, to make more money. And, again, merchants are here to make money, but you have to remember the entire time, from one port to another, he has to still pay his crew whatever they're worth for those time frames. And at those time frames, he has to make some profit, so... If his, if his merchandise in the hole was um, questioned or whatnot um, by, like, Trollocs damaging it, water filling in, just damaging, you know, silks, goods, or whatever, or if it be food or something, then he loses money because of this little incident. So, I mean, he's probably being more than reasonable. He's like, hey, I'll find a way out of this at... You know, if if I can, because I'm not a bad person, but you still need to pay up. This is not a charity. This is not a free ride. We're not like I, I'm not picking up hitchhikers. You guys kind of like jump on. You're paying for it. Um, and with what we know of his crew later on, you're wanting to be a bit more generous towards them. Um. But he's like, all right, as far as White Ridge, blah, 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 and plus damage to my vessel. And Rand's like, what about the others? I'm like, Rand, just shut up. Just just shut up. Rand. Rand, Rand opens his mouth like he's mad. Um, but basically, yeah. he points out, like, well, yeah. what about yeah. our friends? You know what? 
you know what, just spend just a little bit more time around Egwene or Nynaeve. Just, just saying, you know. Just... Well, I'm just, I'm imagining if Nynaeve was here, she'd be beating him over the back of the head. He'd be like, but uh, what? Just... And then, thump, right in the back of the head, he'd jump <laughs> on the ground. Just... It's just like, you know, random just... Matt being unconscious Sorry. right now wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of sad that you actually say that. I know, right? <laughs> it's kind of sad that I have to say that. But Rand's like, uh, what about the others? Will you take them too? They should reach the river by now and they'll see the, the lantern on your mast. And Captain Doman's like, do you think we'll be standing still, man? Fortune prick me. We'd be three, four miles down the river from where you came aboard. <laughs> okay, I also do, I also do that, just love that time. Just fortune prick me or just fortune just just... Well, it's it's a it's an exclamation. Uh, yeah, but I I just kind of love. It's that. like just... burn my bones, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's kind of funny. Yeah, but um, Which... he's he's like we're, we're four yeah. miles, three four miles down stream because Trollocs make these guys put their backs into the oars. They know Trollocs better than they like, and the current helps too. But it makes no never mind. I'd not put into again knife my old grandmother on the riverbank <laughs> and he's like or not even again until Whitebridge if I can help it I've had my fill of Trollocs dogging my heels long before tonight and I have no care to do any more of this than I have to and Tom's like you've had in encounters with the Trollocs before lately and he kind of hesitates and eyes Tom but then he's kind of like sounds disgusted and he's like I wintered in Saldea and not my choice but the river froze early and the ice broke up late um, you can see the blight from the highest towers of Maradon, but I've no mind for that. I've been there before, and always the talk of Trollocs attacking farmer like. But this past winter, the farms are burning every night, entire whole villages sometimes. And they came right up to the city walls, and if that's not bad enough, the people will be saying it meant the dark one be stirring, and the last days come. And he's like, I can't wait to get back to where people think the Trollocs just be tales and stories I tell be travelers' lies. So basically... Down hmm. south, people don't even think Trollocs even exist. Like, they've never existed. Oh. They're, they're just a fairy tale. Up north, they're like, we deal with this on a regular basis. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I've sort of like, been thinking about something along, like, along these lines, which is, like, you know, just, like, we, we take, like, the whole sort of, like, globalization of, like, information granted, but, like, you know, if you like, you were to like tell during the period, you like people on like, I don't know, Wales, whether like the dodo existed, they'll be like, nah, you you just make that up because they're like they would not believe. I mean, in, so in current days, you, uh, if you're if you're like the dodo well, and you send them a picture of it, they'll just say you faked it. Like, well, again, during during today, but like during the period, they'll be like. Nah, such a bird doesn't exist. Well, that's that's nothing, how it would be nothing because that, nothing that tasted could exist. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, in that time and frame, unless somebody sees it for themselves, they either have to hear it secondhand from somebody else, third hand or whatever. But it doesn't mean yeah. that they're necessarily getting the truth. So some people are more skeptical about it, or they make them the brunt of a joke, like, "Oh, I bet you think trollocs are waiting in your bed," you know, like blah 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 blah, like really wow. funny things. Because to them, it is funny. Because they've never experienced it. Where in the Borderlands, they experience it on the front lines. And it's not like they're grabbing Trolloc corpses, throwing in the back of a wagon or onto a ship, and then 
bringing them down to the south so they can see them. They're legitimately but, just fighting them. That's all they're doing. But, you know, this is the thrust of my point. Is in like, you know, just like there's kind of gradients, like believability as in like, you know, someone along the lines of like will just say like, oh, you know, I, I saw a Trolloc and just like been like spring that news as far as eh, far and wide as they travel and just be like oh but did you really and just like well that's the know, whole point of traveler lies they just think that oh you're traveling you're trying to you know spread lies and blah 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 for your own attention or whatever that's that's just how people will see it but Rand stops listening to that and he stares at the opposite wall thinking about everybody else and be like it didn't seem Right to him that they're, his little group with uh, Matt and Tom are on the spray, the ship, while they're somewhere else, and he's he feels less comfortable there. But then Tom pulls him to his feet, push him and Matt towards the ladder with apologies over to the captain, but the country louts, and then they climbed up without saying anything, and then once they get on the, on the deck, Ram, or Tom turns around and digs into both of them. He's like, I could have gotten this passage for a few songs and stories if you two hadn't been so quick to show silver. And Matt's like, I'm not so sure. He sounded serious about throwing us through. Okay, Matt, who has more Matt. experience with dealing people? The Gleeman or Matt? Matt, Matt? Just Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. Shh. Yeah, that? If that you is don't the hear sound that. of silence. To start You're hearing. an idiot. You know, right? <laughs> But and so shh, be quiet and let the professional do his but work. But that's like I'm not so sure. I think somebody would, you know, I, I I think he was pretty serious about throwing us into the river. It's like, well, yeah, that's because he's a merchant and he's yeah, he knows how to play you. So basically, uh, Rand walks over to the rail, leans against it, and just stares back up river, and he can't see anything, not even the riverbank, and then. Tom puts a hand on his shoulder, but he doesn't move. And Tom kind of like tries to console him about saying that there's not much you can do. They're probably safe with Lauren, Lan and Moraine this about now. And can you think of anything you, like you can do for them? Like that's, that's basically those guys, Lan and Moraine will get them clear and you'll be good to go. And Rand's like, I tried to talk her out of coming. And Tom's like, you know, you, you did what you could, but you can't do anything else about it. He's like, well, I should have tried to take care of her better, and I should have tried harder. And then kind of just ends the, the chapter. Yeah. Bit of a bit of a long one. <laughs> yeah, that that was odd, like oddly like long. <laughs> like it feels very short, but it was actually pretty long in terms of yeah, like, content. I, I think it's because like as things go, these are sort of cut up into, like, very small segments. And yeah. so, like, you're, like, very much, like, kind of, in, in, like, interspersed with, like, emotion and, like, the physicality of, like, what's actually going on. Around. Yeah. But, what what is your overall thoughts about this chapter? Um, I quite like it as things go as in like i quite like to the um i don't know, I, i'm kind of slightly of two minds like purely because it's like 
oh, if you let the mist touch you, you will die. Like, why did you say that earlier? So, a little bit of that, but then just like everything else. I like the perspective shift to Perrin, just because, I don't know. Perrin is actually kind of like one of my third main characters, I guess you could say. He's your what? Preferred main character. Oh, preferred main character? Yeah, preferred, like, sort of main characters, sort of, of that, of, like, of the group, I guess you could say. And then after that point, you know, just, like, you know, sort of staying to Rand and Matt, and I guess also Tom, but, you know, just sort of staying to them, and, uh, yeah. I know, just like, just the end of this chapter just leaves so much open to like, how will everyone actually like reunite? Will they reunite? Like, I have genuinely no idea. And so your predictions are you don't know. (laughs) Pretty much like everything actually go can go in like any direction. And that's kind of terrifying. But also interesting at the same time. Like, what, like, genuinely what? Like, we don't know what actually happened. Like, Lan, Lan, Nynaeve, or Moraine at this moment. Or Egwene. Or, yes, or Egwene, actually. Like, yeah, Egwene, like, so much could have happened. And, like, we have genuinely no idea. So, we have half of the party accounted for, and the other half has not been yet. Uh, yes. Like I, I could do the like counting up of everyone, but like that would include yet another cut, and I am not going to about to like not about to do that to you. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate. It. <laughs> I'm going to edit it as it is. So. Yes. <laughs> no thanks to you, James. Oh no! Oh no! Basically. But yes, as things go, um, I'm about happy with like this chapter, and like everything that like happens within it. Okay. So you but, don't have um, any actual predictions then? Well, that's kind of the thing. Like, so much could possibly happen from this. Like, how do I know that? Like. Moraine land like escape, but like Egwene is like sort of taking capture. I'm pretty sure the whole like, how will I know thing is called the next couple chapters. <laughs> see, you you can't say that, but like I have no like I have well, genuinely. I, you think that Robert Jordan is just gonna just drop you and leave you hanging with no information about half of the party that we've been tracking for multiple chapters now, basically the whole wow. book. Do you think he's wow. just gonna leave you there? Well, if you let me finish my bit, then... <laughs> Your bit of, I don't know? Because <laughs> that wasn't a whole lot of bit. Bit of whether or not, I don't know, whether or not Lan and Marine were captured, or Egwene was captured, thus meaning that, like, she would actually be rendered, like, a hostage, and then people actually have to, like, try and to, like, like, react to that. But, lo and behold... Matt and Rand have just left, and so, you know, like, the moral connection to Wayne is just gone, and it's like, 
yeah, I know you, but I don't really care about you. And can you tell I've actually played D&D recently? I mean, it's just not because... just because they're on a boat doesn't mean that they don't care. Because several times in that end of that chapter, oh, yeah. Ren was saying, can you go it's back so and much, get our friends? It's, it's not so much that, but it's more distance between the individual. As in like, oh, I would have to do it and It's like, please save me, please. And like, no. We've who have decided to actually decide that fact. Yeah. All right, so no predictions then? Uh, I really wish I could actually come up with a concrete prediction just because it's like... I I want something concrete to actually happen next chapter, because, but like everything is so much up in the air, I can't actually decide. I, I genuinely want something to actually, like, happen, like, as in, like, everyone just happens to reconvene it in, like, um, someone, someone cat in, like, town, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool, and it's just, like, story carry on, but it's like, what's like a lid of that actually happen? Well, we won't know until next week. That's the fun of this. <laughs> Yes. Fun. (laughs) Well, I guess we can wrap that up then. Um, I guess, unless you have any predictions. Oh, I can't give you predictions because I know how it turns out. That's not Uh, how it works. You're just going to have fun from here on out, just saying. Um, So anyway, dear listeners. uh, Dear, dear listeners. Yes. Dear, dear listeners, who wish we pay every last respect to, because because we don't have any have. for James. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> listen to chapter twenty-one. Listen to the wind, actually, but yes, yes. <laughs> So listen, listen to the wind will be next week um, at our normal drop time, eight in the morning, central U.S. Um, I'm not sure what it is everywhere else because I don't keep track of everywhere else's. But um, yes, I, I really should actually like sort of stop like stopwatch for that. What do you need a stopwatch? You can just like click it now and then wait until it gets released. Yes. <laughs> That seems like a whole lot more work than just typing in Google what time they are. Uh, but you don't understand. I'm committed. Is that what you? Is that what they call it? Yes. If only you were as committed to reading clearly as you were at the stopwatch. We're not talking about this. And... <laughs> oh my. Anyway, um, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Um, that was chapter twenty um, of Will. Wheel of Time, Eye of the World, and my cat's trying to walk over me right now. <laughs> and um, hopefully, you guys will be willing to join us next uh, week when we jump into chapter 21, Listen to the Wind. And if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, pronunciations, etc., um, feel free to reach us at our uh, email, uh, talesoverredarm at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at 
at Tales of a Red Arm. And you can also catch us up on Facebook at Tales of a Red Arm. And leave a comment, leave a post. Please do not spoil the story for anyone. Um, just mostly for the people who have already read it. Um, looking at you veterans. But <laughs> um, just just don't ruin the story because nobody wants the story ruined for them. They want to kind of ruin it themselves. So <laughs> if you could be kind enough to do that, that'd be great. Um but anybody yes, else who just wants to like chat with us or whatever, we'll be more than happy to chat with you and yes. uh, yeah, just reach out to us. Let us know if you want to talk to either one of us or if you want to talk to both of us or whatever, and yes. we'll be checking that for you um, and maybe host your question on one of the podcasts. Yes. Or if you want to like just introduce a talk point, you know, like we'd be very much in like, welcome to discussing such points as like between the two of us as, yeah. as things go I'd say we are especially if you want to like place your own predictions or something and then we can counter them against James predictions as he comes up with them if he ever yeah. comes up with them <laughs> and go from there yes the world will end no it won't okay Shh, don't ruin the ending man what's wrong with you Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, guys, and we'll look forward to hearing from you, and hopefully you'll enjoy next uh, episode as it drops. So we'll see you around. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls we'll spend our pay, and when we're done, then we'll await to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow young Matt wherever he goes To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he goes To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack of the Shadows yeah. 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 Yeah.